This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. Do we need to introduce you? I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I can figure this out. I'm professional. <laughs> this doesn't feel like I'm recording. It's so weird. I because it did, like, I don't have headphones on. There's this nothing. TV, this isn't on. It's just like talking to you. This is bizarre. I don't like this. This is weird. Hey everybody, this is Gordon. And this is Tony. And this is Build Phase. So Mark is out today, but I'm joined by my colleague here in Boston, Tony. What's up, Tony? How's it going, guys? So uh, let's talk about Poppins. Let's just talk about it. Okay, cool. Um, Have you explained it before? I don't think I have. I don't know. Might as well re-explain. Do you want to go through it? Sure. So I think the original idea of Poppins was uh, from you and Mark kind of, you know, enjoying your gift sending back and forth and not having a really convenient way to do it on your phone with your personal GIF, you know, libraries. So, uh, we decided we wanted to kind of make an app one day when we didn't have client work. And, um, you know, we talked over some ideas, but this idea seemed to be the most fun, something we could publish to the store, you know, and, you know, use ourselves and have fun with it and have other people have fun with it. So it's really the basic idea is just, uh, a curated list of your own, you know, gifts that you enjoy in your own library that you keep track of and being able to share them natively through the iOS share feature, which is the most basic thing we could do. So that's the basic concept. Yeah. Yeah. We've been working on it kind of on and off for a little while now. And I think, you know, we're getting close to ship. So that's what yeah. we're working a lot, lot this week and last week. Yeah. The bait, I mean, the basic idea was that I was annoyed that I couldn't easily text animated gifs from my phone because you can do that from messages on the mac it's like i can drag an animated gif into messages on the mac and it will animate it and it'll send it to somebody but if you try doing that same thing through photos it doesn't animate it just shows the first frame right so this entire thing is just me getting thoughtbot to pay me or to pay somebody to make this app so that I can text animated gifts to people. If you can, I don't know if you guys can hear the construction going on outside this. I have no idea how soundproof this supposedly soundproof door is, but I apologize in advance if you can't hear this because it's super loud in here. Um, we're on our sixth floor, which I've talked about before, but we're doing, we're, we've got this new studio space and we've got this new floor in the Boston office and, they're like almost done building it. This thing was supposed to be done in October and it's March. It's almost April. <laughs> and it's literally next week is April. Yeah. Yeah. So this is supposed to be done in October and it's almost April and they're still they're like any week now we're gonna be done. Like so this shouldn't happen again, but uh, I'm sorry if you guys can hear this. Anyway. Yeah, so that was the kind of idea. Like, I wanted to be able to send animated GIFs to people easier than having to wait till I was on my Mac and then, like, pull stuff in. Um, I think the original inspiration is kind of funny because it was thought up because, well, at least the name was came up because you wanted to send this particular meme of yeah. Mary Poppins floating away being like, <laughs> no, F this, I'm <laughs> yeah, out, totally yeah. out, you know, to yeah. Mark. And you couldn't, and that's where the inspiration for this came up, but it's right. not even a GIF. Right. And so we it's made not. a GIF app based off of a concept yeah. that didn't really have anything to do with yeah. GIFs. I think Mark probably named it. 
That makes sense. He's good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, he names like all of my stuff. <laughs> but I think I think he actually was the one that named it Poppins, and then just kind of, or maybe it may have been me. I may have just been looking for some some name, and I just threw Poppins and Reap. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So so we've been doing this in Swift. Um, you've been doing most of the work on it. I worked on it a bit at the beginning and yep. then kind of lost interest, <laughs> yeah. honestly. But you picked up the torch recently and been running with it. Um, so it's all in Swift, right? It's yep. r- super functional, I think. Yeah, we're trying to – It's kind, you know, it's turned into a little bit of a test bed for like us to play with, which is kind of nice. You know, If we want to practice things, new things or want to try out, we can use Poppins right. for it. So – you know, like you're saying, initially we were trying to do something uh, fancy with like animating all the GIFs on a collection view at the same mm-hmm. time in one screen, and we had tons of uh, just memory crashing issues, threading issues, right? And As you'd expect, like yeah, everybody was saying like this isn't going to work, you can't do this, and we we're like, well, let's just see, yeah, <laughs> which I think is actually a reasonable. We thing learned to a lot. Do. I, I I get that like there's there's value in taking that advice of like people saying like you can't animate a screen full of gifs at once it's just not going to work i think it's worthwhile it was worthwhile for us to at least try Mm -hmm. because what if it had worked right (laughs) you know what i mean so i don't know i think you know i think at the end of the day we decided that for mvp solution this was insane that we were trying to make this work so so much but we probably could come up with a way to animate it by like you know skipping frames and only doing like ten frames per GIF and et cetera et cetera, but the engineering work to get that done is just it's like whatever. We're just trying to make a fun app for it now, and MVP is fine to just right. not animate. Right. So that's why we've recently picked it up because we decided kind of that, and you know we're like much easier now that we it's basically just a collection view of images, which is you know kind of a straightforward thing to do mm-hmm. in iOS, and all the logic is now behind like the syncing engine. Mm-hmm. to get all the images from Dropbox because Dropbox is like the back end to house your your collection. Right. So, yeah, so it's it's MVVM or at least our flavors of MVVM, yeah. yeah. Um Is the whole thing switched over? Did you, yeah. you did that whole switch? Yeah. It could probably use a little cleanup in some places. I mean, it's like two, it's not, two view controllers. It's not so. using Reactive Cocoa, right? No. So it's, it's not. I want to and I actually tried to the other day until I realized that the current reactive coco 3 is uh 1.2 beta 3 swift or beta 4 swift i guess now and not oh right and we have that yeah so as soon as 1.2 is kind of done i would like to transfer a lot of this syncing logic to reactive coco why why is it still in 1.1 swift given that it hasn't launched yet and it looks like xcode 6.3 is about to drop so i think right now because um we can't launch test flight betas right if it's on xcode 6.3 right and so i want people testing it i want to use it myself yeah and so that's the that's really the reason i knew there was a reason yeah we forgot cool so that'll be nice when we can do that because i mean i mean one dot or yeah swift 1.2 beta whatever swift 1.2 when it's out it's just gonna be so much nicer in lots of ways but yeah flat map yeah flat map have you guys talked about flat map yet coming out I don't think so. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. I actually don't think we did. <laughs> How have you not talked? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If we did, I don't remember talking about it. But yeah, they added flat map 1.2 beta 3. Yep. Added flat map to the standard library, which is like huge. And I think you and I, like you text, I was at lunch or something. Yeah. 
yeah or doing something i don't oh i i i think i was in a meeting or something and you just texted me beta 3 has flat map <laughs> and i like immediately came upstairs i was like dude are you freaking serious right now because like that i think flat map says a lot about the direction that swift is going in mm-hmm. personally you know yeah. if they added apply that'd be bonkers because that's such a that weird concept apply is yeah. flat map totally makes is like an easier concept to me to understand than apply which is weird um, Should we explain kind of what it is and how it works? Flat map. I think I've talked about it. You probably have. Yeah. Flat map. Flat map is map. So map takes a function and a value, right, in a context. So in the context of like optionals, map takes a function from A to B, and it takes an optional A and returns an optional B, right? So it unwraps the optional, passes the optional through the function, and then returns the optional value back. Um, flat map is almost exactly like that, except for it takes in a function from A to optional B and an optional A and returns an optional B. The idea being that if you just use that same function with map, you would get an optional optional at the end. So flat map is literally f- map and then flatten. So it removes one level of context or wrapping or however you want to talk about the fact that we're dealing with monads right. <laughs> um, in Haskell. Anything that can be flat mapped over is a monad. That's the two things you need to be to be a monad. You need to uh, implement. They call it bind in Haskell, but it's flat map in Swift. And you need to define return, which is the same thing as pure and applicative, which just wraps a value in a minimal context, which we don't need to get into. Anyway, yeah, I didn't mean to take this on a. No, that's into, fine. Into flat map. That's fine. Um, so yeah, that would be nice when that's like standard. We yeah. Don't have to worry about betas. Yeah, because I got to delete a bunch of code. Like I, we got to delete code from runes, which was nice. Literally just deleted the yeah. flat map implementations for optional and array because they added both. Just like that was an awesome diff because it was literally just just like the past two releases for runes that I've done have literally just been deletions. So. Two releases ago, Mark pulled out the guards that we had added mm-hmm. for using flat map incorrectly mm-hmm. um, because Swift added compiler guards to make sure that you didn't pass. So there was a bug in Swift where if you passed a function of the type A to B to an uh, argument that expected A to optional B, it would coerce that return value into an optional, which caused seg faults mm-hmm. um, at runtime, which was really annoying because it compiled. And so it was really easy to run into seg faults just by using flat map incorrectly, using flat map where you were meant to use map. So we had guards in compiler warnings or errors in runes to prevent you from using flat map, the operators improperly. And then... Swift itself came out with its own compiler guards against mm-hmm. that exact same thing. So we got to remove ours. And then in the next beta, they added flat map, which meant that we just got to remove ours. So it was just like the only thing in runes at this point, and it's awesome, is the operator. All the operators. Th- the operators, right. yeah. But just the declaration of the operators. Right. And then the functions that just pass through to the, the instance methods and then an extension for optional and extension for array that just add apply 
Right. So the only thing that you can do with runes that the only thing runes is adding at this point, which is a good thing. The only thing it's adding are the operators and the apply function. Everything right. else can be done just through standard lib, right. which is awesome. Right. I think it's slick. Anyway. Yeah. Poppins. <laughs> so yeah, back to Poppins. I mean, yeah, it's 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 nice to um, you know, have something to play with and be doing this functional stuff. And I think, yeah. you know, right now we're kind of trying to get a working thing to push to the store, but you know, once that's there, it's going to be fun to play with things. Um, personally, I want to play with functional view controllers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had much time to play with it. It's recently. Chris Eidhoff's thing. Yep. And, uh, I've been looking at his, um, he did like a GitHub, uh, issues mm-hmm. app with it. And it was pretty sweet. And a talk. He did a talk at yeah. Swift summit about yep. it. So I'm waiting for those. I talked, I spoke, talk briefly about that swift summit in the last episode but but he did a talk at swift summit about functional view controllers and i guess they re, they use functional view controllers in his app scenic oh really i think so i think that's what he mm-hmm. was saying i saw a conversation with him where he was talking about it and i think he was saying that he used all the functional view controller stuff in scenic mm, which okay. is really interesting yeah so i think you know when when I get some time or when the first version of Poppins is finally done and we have time to kind of play around with things that like trying to do functional view controllers and once 1.2 is out trying to mix in rack there. Yeah. I'm really excited about those two things. I really want to get rack three, you know, just in my brain. Yeah. I still, I've been, I mean, I've been saying this for months and months and months and months and months, but I just, I really want to learn reactive cocoa. I yeah. feel like it's, it's crazy that I don't know it at all. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh yeah poppins is it's exciting you know because just it's it's our yeah. it's kind of our thing our app yeah, yeah, yeah. something yeah. we control something we have can have fun with yep talk to me about the dropbox api wrapping the dropbox api because you did a lot of work to wrap because they're using there it's still an objective c api right right <laughs> yeah oops someone someone got someone to talk to there tony <laughs> no, no don't worry about that <laughs> although i am gonna see what it is <laughs> nothing important so you were saying dropbox yes dropbox uh so we're right we're using dropbox as uh authentication and the back um, end right so like end, the, right. so the way I, we, I don't think we said this so the way it works is that you authenticate with dropbox and from within the app you launch the app you authenticate with dropbox we use the um app folder permission scheme so that you have uh you know dropbox slash apps slash poppins and then inside there you can literally just dump gifts in there. So you you have you name them what you want. You you really we're still one level of organization, right? It right. needs to be a flat folder, but you just dump your gifts into this Poppins folder, and then when you launch Poppins, it pulls them down, stores them locally, right, and then displays them in a list, right, and then you long tap. They're not animated. It just shows, shows a first frame. You long press on one, and it'll show the animation. And then you tap on one, and it'll allow you to... Opens the native share sheet. Yeah, share yeah. it through the share extensions. Mm-hmm. Any, so anything that has a share extension will right. work. Anything that takes an image. Right, right. So yeah, so we're using Dropbox for authentication and also for the back end. So you had to deal with that. Yeah, know. right. So we initially were using the uh, Dropbox Sync API. Um, we decided to move off of it because I don't think it gave us as much controls we wanted over how and when the files were synced and mm-hmm. afterward where the files were stored. 
and the share URL, right? There was no so, way to get the link. Yes, there was. It, you could get a share link, but that was to a wrapped page. Wrapped page, yeah, with yeah. the content inside, and you couldn't get the media link, which mm -hmm. they call it, which is the direct streamable link. Mm -hmm. But more on that later, I found out that's not what we want anyway. Okay. Um, okay. So anyways, I think one of the main things was is we were downloading these files and they were you know, kind of storing themselves in probably some type of core data thing that they had set up in mm -hmm. the back end and also storing the files in, a, in the documents folder. And they kept track of all that. And then you would call their API to get the file back again. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, basically you just call the file and it was kind of magic. And if the file wasn't cached on disk, it would fetch it mm -hmm. and cache on disk and then return it. So it was a little bit too much magic on whether the file was there or not for me. Mm -hmm. And we were, the way we were doing this, we kind of needed the, um, we needed the size or the aspect ratio right. of the, of the GIF before we lay out the collection view, because we wanted to know how you know, big to make the each cell. Um, and we also wanted to scale the image down. So we were actually caching a much smaller image than the full GIF. Right. Um, to save memory. So that's another that's another implementation detail that we should talk about, though, is because we wrote our own. We have a custom collection view layout that one of our coworkers, Rita, he was on the show once, I think. Yeah, yeah. he was on the show. And so, so Rita in Stockholm wrote this collection view layout. We're using that in Poppins, and what it, it's it's called Cascade. We haven't open sourced it yet. I'm probably going to push that button before Same. too long. But Cascade is like a waterfall layout. It's like, um, you know, Pinterest style Pinterest yeah. style layout. So you tell it, basically you tell it how many columns you want. And then it figures out the width of each column. And it always, it will fill in cells by all by filling the shortest column. So that's just the way it works. Like as in, you know, as it needs to place a cell, it finds the shortest column and puts it there. But what that means is that we need the size of every single image at basically viewed in load. Like we need to we need to have that stuff immediately like up front because in order to populate this table view or this collection view, it needs to know where to put everything at once, which is kind of frustrating honestly. Mm -hmm. We should take a look at that and figure out if there's a way to Mm -hmm. fix that because it is an annoying restriction but right. we couldn't get the size but with the Dropbox Sync API we couldn't get the size of the images without downloading them first right whereas we can get that information with well with the so we've switched to the core API right that's basically what we're getting to and the core API just lets us download the file and specify which where in the documents folder it's saved and so we can save um, that in our own core data uh, model and then once it's downloaded, we can also open it up from that location and kind of read it, you know, and ask the size after loading into a UI image kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then save that aspect ratio along with it in the core data. And so then we have all the aspect ratios and it's just a core data fetch to kind of get enough information to lay out the collection view. And so that's much better. Um, and we have more control over the syncing. Um, it, we are writing our own syncing engine, but it's honestly not that hard. You just get a list of the files, you kind of diff it with what's in core data. You know, mm -hmm. figure the ones that need to be inserted, ones that need to be like, yeah. deleted, ones that need to be updated. Right. Whatever. We're we're doing a fairly trivial, yeah, or fairly dumb sync. Right. You know. Right. We treat the Dropbox folder as the truth. Right. And we just mimic it, no right. matter what. Right. Which is, uh, which is fine because that's all we really need. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So 
so yeah, we had to switch to that. And um, so we're using the core API and it is delegate based. Mm -hmm. So you, you create this um, rest client based off of a session. And then you say to the rest client, you know, load file and you give it the file. And then it calls back from a rest client delegate, uh, you know, that file was loaded and it gives you kind of like the, it's DB file info or something. Um, and then from that, it gives you the path and all that stuff. So then you can kind of, uh, go get it if you want afterward. Mm -hmm. So it has kind of a delegate pattern, which is fine and all more objective C like, but it would be really nice if we had a callback style pattern. Right. So we kind of wrap that up to kind of get that callback thing. And I kind of made a really silly version of reactive cocoa <laughs> in order to do this Your stream thing i literally just made a class called uh signal signal right yeah and signal basically it's it's so it's so bad a signal basically just um every time you say load file it passes you back a signal mm -hmm. um and so we wrap basically we wrapped the dropbox api in this separate or a new kind of uh, class and so you call this class's load file and it calls dropboxes uh, rest client load file mm -hmm. and then it passes you back a signal and this this wrapper has a variable signal global or its own internal variable so that reference stays there and so then later when the delegate calls back and it says file was loaded we just go get the signal again you know because it's an instance variable and uh we just say you know finished or mm -hmm. callback mm -hmm. and then the callback is waiting for that and it just will execute the rest of the stuff mm. so we had to kind of wrap it up and that's uh one of the big places i would love to just use rack not right. my little signal class Thing, yeah. but i yeah. mean it works so it's good enough for now cool and then you changed everything from error pointers to results right yes so in the in the places where um we are hitting uh yeah we're using result llama kit to get back whether something errored or was successful um and so that kind of helps us do a little bit more functional stuff with dropbox api because mm -hmm. now our uh calls to it are just one parameter calls so we can you know chain those functionally with right uh, you know, map flat map right and so right so you have so typically you have a request that says um you know load file and it takes the path of the file where you want to load it and it takes a uh, error pointer Right. And, you know, as you do, uh, the error pointer or the function returns maybe a bool and then the error pointer um, would be populated or not uh, based on whether it was an error. And so what we did is we wrap that up. So instead of um, having to check that error, we just get back a result and then we can just run a case statement on the result or just chain that with other things that will mm -hmm. take a return result um, and that made it a little easier to work with. Yeah. We have a blog post, or you wrote a blog post yes. on that, so we should we'll link to that in the show notes. So yeah, as I was saying on the earlier the uh, the media link thing and the oh, share yeah, link yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. What we want to do eventually. So okay, so when we tried to doing sharing, uh, the share sheet stuff, all of the um, apps that can take an image as a share, mm -hmm. they're like most of the social networks, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Right. But when you share a GIF to Twitter, it just posts it as like an image. Right. A static image. Right, because they have their own GIF processing stuff that turns GIFs into videos. And, right. And they don't publicly support that through the uh, share yeah. sheet. Right. So what we need is actually the public link to the GIF, mm -hmm. and then Twitter will kind of handle that on their own. Right. 
I mean, that's beneficial anyway, right? right. Be, giving people an option to send the image itself or a link to the image right. means that like users' bandwidth can be less if they mm-hmm. choose to just share links, and it also means that they can shoot it, share to tr- Twitter. Right. So um, to do that, we need the public share link, mm-hmm. and we were doing uh, – you can get the share link, they call it, um, and that's the one that's wrapped. Um, and what we needed was the media link and you couldn't get that from the sync API. So the core API gives you the media link, mm-hmm. but I was reading the docs the other day and it's only good for four hours mm-hmm. and then it expires. Mm-hmm. So that's not good. No. <laughs> Cause then your tweet doesn't, I guess, I don't even know what would happen. Honestly, they probably process it and save it on their end. If they're but, processing gifts into videos, Twitter. No, but you, you don't hand them a link. It, like if you, if we handed Twitter a uh, link, it would just have the link in the tweet. And okay. so then five hours later, someone would come by and click on your link. And it would just be dead. It would just be nothing. Yeah. So it sucks. So it kind of sucks, right? So I was kind of reading around to see what people were doing for this. Mm-hmm. And I guess the share URL, if you just put question mark, like get parameters, right? If you mm-hmm. just URL parameters, you put question mark, raw equals one. <laughs> you just it get bypasses the, thing? the wrapper and you just get the thing. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So it's like, Okay. That's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. So, so now we're just going to pen that to every. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. So I guess there could be worse things, but at least we have that now. Yeah. That's stupid, though. Dealing with the Dropbox API was generally frustrating. Yeah, it's it's old. Well, it's not even the old the fact that it's old that frustrates me. It's the fact that like they have multiple different frameworks and none of them they don't depend on each other so it's not like the sync api builds on top of the core api right the sync api or the sdk rather i keep saying api but the sync sdk doesn't isn't additional features that also require the core sdk it's two completely different frameworks that do two completely different things and handle the same concepts in two completely different ways right and but are named the same, right? So like right. we tried, we said we said, well maybe we can just pull in the core. This sucks, but maybe we can just pull in the core SDK, and then get the media links from that. But the second we did that, we got duplicate symbols, symbols because the core SDK and the sync SDK use the same symbol names internally. So it's right. like a bunch of duplication between the two SDKs. Right. It it would be so much easier if jumping back to, you know, kind of dependency management stuff, you know, if you think of it as like a Carthage project, like that the sync SDK depends on the core SDK, you know what I mean? Right. And so when you build Dropbox sync, it also dot framework, it also builds Dropbox core dot framework, and then you link both of those. And now I don't have to freaking pick and choose, you know what I mean? I can... If I need the sync stuff, I use the sync APIs. And if I need to drop down the core stuff, I just have that. Right. It's ridiculous to me that they don't do that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the idea was there, but it is too bad. Because like the sync, the sync SDK is just a very limited subset of the core SDK plus the powerful sync engine. So right. it's like it sucks because if you want to use a lot of the features from the core, you can't if you want also to use the sync engine. Right. So you have to. They make you choose between these two kind of sub-standard APIs. Right. Like if you had the Sync SDK and also had access to all the stuff that the Core SDK offered, that'd be awesome. Right. I mean, it's kind of a crappy SDK 
in general, I think. But be you know, just hasn't. I mean, especially working within Swift, right? Because right. it's not hasn't it's been not updated. Swift, it's yeah. not made for Swift. It's a Projective C, blah blah blah. Like we didn't we have to go through a header and figure out if stuff could be ever because everything's implicitly unwrapped optional. So we had to go through and figure out what was actually optional and what actually wasn't. Wasn't yeah. there something like that, like on a file DB file info or something like that? Oh, perhaps. I feel like I remember doing that with you, but I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. But it just seem it, may, it seems like it'd be so much more logical to build kind of like nesting doll frameworks. You know what I mean? Like you have the core, and then you put the sync SDK around that, and then you know if you want a bigger SDK, put that around that. Right. But give me access to all of them. Don't just wall stuff off for me. Right. It's weird. I mean, I don't know why that happened with with their SDK in particular, but it seems like nowadays like especially with all this new Swift development and Swift frameworks people are making, that is what people are doing, which is really nice. People are making yeah. these micro frameworks and then just depending on them up and up and up until you get to this more powerful thing. I wonder if some of that comes from this ability of like, or not ability, but the better type system. Because most of the micro frameworks that we're seeing, um, the stuff that Rob Ricks has done, right? Box and either he has a result out actually. That is, he hasn't worked on it in a few months, but that he was playing around with. Um, Llama Kit's result. Mm-hmm. There's a deferred library mm-hmm. from um, Big Nerd Ranch. There's what's another? Would you count Prelude? No, kind of I mean one. that's kind of a that's kind of a functionality thing. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like all those that I just n- named, to a certain extent, Reactive Cocoa is just about types as well. Yep, you know. What you're doing, like especially with like box and either and result and llama kit, like you're packaging up a specific and deferred. You're not creating like a framework, not like in the Objective C sense. You're not creating like Alamo Fire. You're not create or AF networking rather. You're not creating like quick or nimble even. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where you're right. like where it's like some something that changes the way you do things. You're just implement. You're just adding a single type to your. Right. application that opens the doors to a bunch of different stuff. Right. And because of that, because one type, the addition of one type, the addition of a result type into a Swift application just blows the doors off of expressibility in my mind, you know? Oh yeah. Um, all of a sudden you can just do things that were like really cumbersome or kind of annoying before this week I was using result kind of abusing result really. But uh, this week I was re- using um, – I've been playing around with using result as a way to do a, um infinite scrolling data source kind of a thing in the client app that we're on where basically I want this data source to be able to handle fetching new objects and keeping track of how many pages it has left and keeping track of what page it's on and what's the next set that of data that it needs to get and stuff like that. And I want the view controller to be dumb about this. I, I don't want it to care. So one of the things I have in the data source is like, so you're scrolling, you're scrolling this, it's a collection view. So you're scrolling this collection view down, you get within some buffer, right? Um, I think I have it set to like two rows. So once you cross, you're scrolling, once you cross this threshold of like within two rows of the bottom, of the loaded data, it tries to load more data from the server. And so we we tell it, it uses like a delegate callback system. So I tell it to refresh. 
it kind of sets some state on itself and makes a network request for the next set of data. When that comes back, it calls the delegate method that says I finished loading. Um, but so it has a, a started loading and a finished loading delegate methods. When it calls the started loading, I just refresh the table view right now. I'm going to refresh the last, just the, just the final cell. If I can figure out how to do that without having it crash. But so I reload the table view and when it asks for the object, so the data source now, because it's loading, it adds one to its current, its count of objects. And when I ask for the object for that index path, the last one, which is there's no user for it, instead of returning a user, it returns this empty loading cell struct that I created, right? So, so the return type for that objected index path method returns result of user or loading loading cell yeah loading cell and so then it just switches on those cases and it says like this is one place and i've never had this before where i've been like oh no i i wish this was either not like i'd rather drop down to a more basic type because result doesn't make sense here because it's not actually a failure it's just it really is either like i want give me either a user or tell me that you need to display a loading cell right and so then inside my self erode index path thing, I just switch on that result value. And I say, like, if it was successful, give me the user and I'll create a you know user cell with this. Or if it was a failure, I'll just create a loading cell, like not the clap, not the empty struct that I was talking about, but the actual thing, the actual loading cell uh, collection view cell thing that I can't remember what it's actually called, but. Um, I create one of those and then I return that. And that gives me a really clean way to encapsulate that logic of the stateful side of loading into the view control or into the data source. You know, like the view controller doesn't have to know any state. All it knows is, did I get a user back or didn't I? If I got a user back, I'll create this user cell. If I didn't get a user back, well, now I need to create this loading cell and append, you know, and it'll just inherently be appended to the bottom. Right. The thing. Question for you. Yeah. Why use results or either say than just having that pass back a generic type or a UI collection uh, view cell, and then just have the loading cell and the user cell kind of be you know both either conform to a protocol or uh, be this collection view cell and it just it will just render it. So what would the data source return? So the data source would return either a generic that conforms that conforms some protocol that the user cell and the loading cell would conform to or it would return a just ui collection view cell subclass so i wanted to keep cells entirely out of the data source Mm -hmm. because the second cells need to know like the second the data source needs to know about cells you've split it's one of my big problems with the kind of the whole way table views and collection views work in Cocoa is that like, so yeah, I've done the good thing, right. And I've extracted the data source logic, even if it's not extracting the data source delegate itself or the data source itself, like extracting the logic for the data source, I've extracted that out to an external object. And so that would make the most sense, right? Instead of returning a object for a cell at index path, return a cell for an index path, right? That's the actual data source method. Right. Except for if you do that, if you send the, if now my data source knows about the cells, 
if my data source knows what cell it needs to send back, now I either have to also give that data source access to the table view or the collection view so that that thing can register those classes or nibs right. for the reuse identifiers. I either have to do that because it's also going to need that for to do the dequeuing stuff. Right. So you, you have to make that decision of like, if I, if I start putting cells in my data source, now my data source needs to know about the table view. And eventually you're just pushing peas around on your right. plate. You know what I mean? Because your ta- your data source is basically just the view controller at that point. Right. Instead of just being, just handling model objects. Right. Which is what I wanted. So keeping keeping the cells in the view controller and keeping the actual data source methods in the view controller, which is something I keep going back and forth on, but I've kind of settled on this, which is extract the logic for the data source, but don't extract the data source itself. So that the data source methods in the view controller, they ask a much simpler object for models, and right. then they populate cells with those models right? or view models. You know what I mean? Like this is fits in very nicely with MVVM. With MVVM, you'd have some kind of model view or some controller thing that isn't the data source of the delegate itself, but is handing you data to right. respond to those calls with. Did right. I answer your question? Kind of. So what you have is a result that has a user or a loading state. Yes. And then whatever think gets... think of it as either. It's probably easier, okay. easier to think of it as either. So, so, have... so the, return, the return type is basically either user or loading cell. Right. So, okay, user or loading cell. And then the thing that gets that return is configuring a cell with that value. So the view controller asks the data source for the object. Right. And it gets this either value back. And then it switches on that. And just inside this case left or case, you know, if it's a user, if I got a user back, DQ a, you know, user cell. If I didn't get a user back, DQ a loading cell. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what I was thinking, I think that kind of just finished my question, but Mm -hmm. what I was thinking is if user and loading cell had a common protocol. Right. So then you could, that, that object for index. Yeah. Object for index path could return just the generic protocol, say T. Mm -hmm. And then the view controller could say T conforms to some collection cell viewable protocol or whatever. And on that protocol, there's like a, a configure cell. And then so then the uh, the view control- controller could just call configure cell because it knows that T has that and just pass it a dequeued cell. Uh, so you could you could create, you know what I'm saying? You're basically saying that... So, so say, in, this project, in this project, there's this concept of presenters. Is that what you're talking about? So there's this concept of like cell presenters, I think, that they have where... Cause, well, hold on, because I think you could do it this way. Oh, yeah, Maybe probably. Maybe not. So I'm thinking like, okay, so let's, let me lay out the whole scenario just so, yeah. so we have a, we'll have a protocol called collection viewable, okay. collection, collection view viewable or something. And that protocol implements a configure with cell, right? And that takes a UI collection view cell and configures with the model data that that has in it. Mm-hmm. So a user conforming to this would a user would have a configure with cell, takes a collection view cell and returns a collection view cell. And it would just configure that cell with its data. Okay. Does that make sense? So then we have yeah. that. And then also in this protocol, say we have a uh, cell identifier, which is just a string to mm-hmm. which cell to DQ. Mm-hmm. So then this object for index path would return that generic protocol, T, that conforms to that uh, collection right. cell. And so it would viewable. DQ the 
and then use identifier right. and yeah. then mm -hmm. the view controller wouldn't have to switch on result it could just know that t has something called or a function called configure with cell and it also has the cell identifier so you can just dq with the cell identifier and then you can pass it into configure with cell and then return the collection it's actually not bad i i don't think you'd put it on the model object I think, right. I think I don't think it would be on user, for example. I think like in this specific case, right? Like what we're configuring is like this avatar cell. So I don't want to put that on user because there are places where we configure a user. Right. But it might make sense to have like again. So this concept of cell presenters, which is kind of interesting, I think it's almost like a flip of MVVM. It's like an inverted MVVM where we right. have a model object that you hand views to. So instead of handing a view model to the view. And having the view model or the view configure itself based on data from the view model, you hand a view to this presenter object, and the presenter sets values on the view. Right. Um, so that's a, already an established concept inside this this client application. So maybe you could do that where you say, yeah, you'd have to have some kind of protocol, and the protocol isn't. That's not a complicated protocol. It, no. it would literally be reuse identifier. Right. You know, it would even it could even be just a cell presenter. It could literally protocol. just be a reuse identifier, and then you could make a global cell presenter function that just looks for that a function with that protocol and knows how to go into user to make it. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I think the way they be, do the stubble. Yeah, but I think it'd be easier if you said that this protocol is called cell presenter. It has two things on it. Right. This, the protocol cell presenter, it has a configure cell. Yep. And it just takes a UI collection view cell and yeah, return. Uh, I guess it could return a UI collection view cell. Because then you could just do return t.configure cell. Whatever. Yeah. You could also do it mm -hmm. like you could also do how Argo does decoded type and just tell it which kind of cell to return inside the protocol. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. It could. Anyways, anyway, we could do I, it. I don't think it needs to. But so it would have two things. It'd have configure cell, takes a UI collection view cell. Let's say it doesn't even return anything. Screw it, because it's classes, so it's all passed by reference. <laughs> yeah, mutability. Right. I mean, whatever. So <laughs> so it so it just takes so a function that just called configure cell that just takes a UI collection view cell, any UI collection view cell. And then you have another function or a property on it reuse identifier so in this case we're trying to do an avatar cell so i could have an avatar cell presenter struct that gets initialized with a user and then we just hard code the reuse identifier to be like avatar cell and right. we hard and we set up the implementation of configure cell so that it casts it to the right type inside this is actually going to be a good refactor i may do this on monday <laughs> um it casts it to the right type inside and then sets the properties on it that it needs, and then you're done. And now this function could return those. So you'd also have a loading cell right. presenter that does nothing, right. right? It has empty implementations for those, but it has the reuse identifier of the right. But So the only problem there is that now we've split now we've pushed that reuse identifier all over the place. Unless so, we, we we build the reuse identifier based on the cell class. So there's obvious coupling here, right? Like right. It, the presenter, one pres, each presenter has to be tied to a cell type. 
So because that's true, maybe you just use some string mini or you know dynamic the we, dynamic type that kind of stuff. Not not dynamic type, but like you know we have so we have a function that we already wrote that takes a class and returns a pretty version of the class name, right? So instead yes. of module dot foo, it just returns foo, you know. So if we just say through convention, reuse identifiers are always the type name right. of the cell. Then now we don't have to couple those that closely. You right. know what I'm saying? We yeah, can just right. say. You probably use some type inference. But you could use a type alias. Yeah. You could use a type alias. <laughs> now I want to move this out into like a fun <laughs> an actual function because I think now you'd still need some kind of a configure block. I am going to screw around with this because now I'm thinking about like, well, can we get away from that casting thing? So can we say we can? Because if we say no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's hard to think this far through. I know without coding. I'm gonna have to do this. Stay tuned. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I like. I forgot we were recording for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea though. That's pretty close to something awesome. Yeah. It is weird though, right? It's like it's like a flip version of MVVM. Oh, the configuring cell thing. This this whole idea. I mean, this this idea totally makes sense to me. It's almost kind of like factories. Kind of. It's actually closer to MVC than I think I've been in a long time. <laughs> Are we coming full circle? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> Except for that I want to use functions for this. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I've long been in this thing where I was like, well, yeah, I mean, passing models to views is absolutely breaking contain, you know, your single responsibility principle or encapsulation rather. And it's right. like, yeah, that's kind of freaking weird, but what's the alternative? And this actually sounds like a reasonable alternative to me. Yeah. Where you put that coupling, you're going to have coupling in two places at this point, you're going to have coupling in the cell presenter and then in the view controller, right? Cause the view controller is still going to have to register those cells for reuse identifiers unless you do them in the nib which you're still right spreading that coupling out but it, it, in one way or another both the view controller and the cell presenter and really this data source thing implicitly is coupled to right. it you know what i mean so like the data source is implicitly coupled to the cell type but at least it doesn't know about reuse identifiers and class types it doesn't know what type of cell it needs to return it just knows that if I didn't get a user back, I need to instantiate this loading cell presenter right. and hand that back. Right. Gets rid of a couple switch and ifs you're doing. In the view controller, yeah. It gets rid yeah. of logic in the view controller, which is always my goal. Yeah. I still, you know, it doesn't really change the data source that much. No. Because I, it's it's just instead of returning result, success or failure, I just return, right. you know. You're using this safe value function. Can it be T? Can I think it, so. It can't be that it returns a type T. It have to be that it returns a. I think you can return a, a type T that conforms to that protocol, whatever it is. But both of those aren't going to be T. Both of those will be conforming to that protocol. So you'd return the protocol type. I think it. Ha I think it have to return the protocol type. I don't think it can return mm -hmm. a type T. Because neither because it's not the same because it's not the same type it doesn't yeah. it doesn't know the reason it works in Argo is because we're doing that reverse type type inference the right. return type type inference so we're going bottom up in Argo where we're calling stuff on T this doesn't matter I don't think right. this changes anything it's just it's just the signature of the functions changes right that's lame if they return the protocol though 
I just uh, it's read. Not a big, it's not a big deal. There's a weird thing about. Oh, crap. I just read that article this morning. No, that's okay. It's okay that it. I mean, yeah, there's a weird memory thing. You're talking about the thing, yeah. the difference between. There's a difference between a function that takes a protocol type and a function that takes a generic type that conforms to a protocol. Right. And the return, right? Because now you have. Same when you return, thing. you get the. Well, when you turn. If you return T. You, you get, get type. the type, but when you return the protocol, you, you have get to cast this. it as the type because you get the pro- right. You get. But the we protocol. never would ha- We never have to. We never have to cast it. Oh, because we this, pass it on to something else that takes. The well, in this case, we don't care. Yeah, right. We don't care what it is. We just know that we got a thing back. This is the the actual use of protocol. <laughs> right. Right? We we actually we got a thing back. We don't know what the hell it is. All we know is that it has a reuse identifier on it. Cool. Right. I'll use that. We know it has this configure cell thing. Okay. Cool. I'll use right. that. And now. It'll do what it needs to do, but it does. We don't, you know, we don't need return types from that. Right. It doesn't matter. All we care about is that it's the cell presenter. Right. That's going to work out nicely. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I actually think that this is this is going to be able to be a sweeping change. Nice. Which is always good. Yeah. Churn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you get to use sweet protocols and stuff. I think that's good, man. Because like right that. now you're using that result, and you want it to be an either, but we don't have either and as the, part and of our And it introduces this, yeah, well, yeah, right. And it introduces this case statement in in, in the view controller, yeah, which is fine. Like, I'm not, I don't hate that. I think there's somewhere else where this matters, but I don't remember where, actually. Let me look real quick. So I just got this new watch today. And it just buzzed me telling me to move because I've been sitting still for too long. What's the watch? It's the Phoenix 3 Garmin, like GPS watch. Oh, yeah? And apparently if you sit around too much, because it's got like the walking Fitbit kind of featured on it. Mm-hmm. If you sit around too much, it buzzes you to move. And it just told me to move. And yeah, it's the first time. Ah, so did select. This is where this is going to fall down. Oh, shit. Unless I just don't reuse this. So right now I'm using this object for index path in two different places because I'm using it for when I configure the cell and I'm also using it for when I do did select, right? So you select one of these avatars and we need to do something with that, you know? So in this case, I'm trying to get the object for index path, but this actually might be nicer this way because I can change object for index path to return optional instead of returning a result. So right now I'm doing like, Object for index of path value map because I got to go through result to optional and then map that. This way I could just get a object. So I could change this back to being user for index path and it returns an optional user. I can rename the other function that returns these cell presenters to cell presenter for index path. Right. It's not bad. So that'll be fine. Those, that's the only two places I was using. I knew I was using it somewhere else. Anyway, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 79. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out on Twitter at buildphase or via email, uh, buildphase at thoughtbot.com. And as always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are appreciated. Thanks for talking to me, Tony. Yeah, great being here. See you later. Bye.